0: You're listening to audio from Highland Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. To find out more about Highland, go to www.hbcwaco.org. Good morning. If you would, turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. While you're turning, let me introduce myself. My name is Mark Weibel. I'm one of the staff pastors here. And... uh, pastor john and uh, jared and several of the highland staff and membership are on a mission trip to guatemala and pastor john has given me the privilege of sharing the word with you this morning so if you would let's jump into 1 first peter chapter one verse three blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ according to his great mercy he has caused us to be born again to a living hope ...through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead... ...to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading... ...kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith... ...for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary... ...you've been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith... ...more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus. Father, I ask that as you uh, are here with us this morning, I ask that you would just come and infuse your life into the words that we will look at today. May you be glorified, may we be changed. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. (laughs) We're in a series, this is the second part of a series called Finally Home, a series on heaven. Last week, Pastor John set the stage for the series uh, by letting us realize that heaven is a real place and that Jesus is waiting to receive us to himself. He also let us know that the way is narrow and few are those who find the way. But he capped it off by simply saying it is Jesus, it is only Jesus, and Jesus only. So as we begin our talk today... I want to talk a little bit about heaven, our inheritance. I want to talk about the inheritance of heaven. Now back in October of last year, Pastor John contacted me and said, I'm going to be on a mission trip and uh, we're going to be in a series on heaven and I would like for you to share uh, a message. And I, I said, okay. And so in the few days following that, I just began to say, Lord, give me what you want to say. Lord, let me understand heaven in a whole new light. Let me understand heaven in a new way. That became very real to me on November 15th, 2021. I, don't, I am the one of the chaplains of the Baylor men's basketball team. And I've been doing that for 19 years since uh, Scott Drew got here. For 19 years on game day, I do game day chapel services. On this day I drove in to the parking lot and for 19 years, I've always parked on the third row of the parking lot because I know that rows one and two are reserved for the coaches and players and game managers. So I've always, 19 years, parked on the third row. This day, I came in, I, I pulled in the parking lot, and for whatever reason, I turned into the second row. And I, and I parked. And as I parked, I thought, ooh, I ought not to park here. This is one of the coaches' parking spots. And then I thought, oh, they'll get over it. So I got out of my truck. <laughs> And I started walking toward the door, and I got to the door to to go into the feral center, and I turned around. I thought, I really ought to move my, my my truck. And then I thought, nah, I'll be all right. So I went in and I, I I did chapel service, and I as I was doing chapel service, I noticed I was really sweating. I kind of got a little lightheaded. I thought, well, I had started a diet, so probably just a little reaction to this. If I just get a little bacon in me, I'll be okay. <laughs> <clears throat> I finished chapel service and was walking back out the tunnel to go to get in my truck. And all of a sudden, I was just panting. I mean, I was just sweating and sweating and I was shuffling. And out loud, I was nobody else was around. I, out loud, I said, I wonder if this is what it feels like to die. And I, I was like, no, because you got to be in pain if you're going to die. And I wasn't in any pain, so... I shuffled on out and got in my truck and put my bag in the back seat and got in the front seat. And and uh, then I realized my keys were in the bag. And so I tried to get out of the truck, but I couldn't lift my left arm to get to the door to get out of the truck to get to the back seat and get my keys. And at that point, I realized something was wrong. <laughs> I was just panting and kind of lightheaded. And so I laid my head back and just started to pray. I said, Lord, if I can just get to my wife, she'll take care of me. Lord, just get me to my to my home, and all of a sudden everything just went white, and I went out. I don't know how long I was out, but the next thing I know is there's a rap on the window, and it's Coach Jerome Tang. You see, I had parked in his parking spot. <laughs> I have a sermon entitled "Can a Parking Lot the Parking Spot Save Your Life?" <laughs> And so he, he said, Pastor, are you okay? And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. Just give me my keys. I'll drive home. And He said, no. So he called Dave Snyder, the athletic trainer. Dave Snyder came out, and he saw that I was in distress. And I was just like, just let me go home. He, he, he looked at me and said, Pastor, you are no longer in charge here. And a lot of people wish they could say that to me. <laughs> they, uh, especially my kids. Uh, they took me down, and, and uh, I, I got downstairs in, into the, the belly of the, the, the feral Center. I couldn't go any further, and I finally sat down, and uh, I was like, man, something is going wrong. Right then, the EMTs showed up for the game. In fact, the EMT that I credit with saving my life is sitting in our Life Center this morning, right back here. Brad, wave just a little bit right there. That, that Brad right there, Brad. Um <clears throat> Uh, they put some things on me and started looking and everything and all of a sudden they go, "Uh, we need an ambulance here right now to go to the hospital. And I was like, I am not going to the hospital. I am not going to do it. And uh, he looked at me and he said something that really kind of impacted me. He said, sir, you have two choices. You can go in an ambulance or you can die. Which do you prefer? Now when you have somebody say that to you that you've never met before, You don't know if they're joking or not. So I'm like, hmm. So I looked at the partner there and I said, is he serious? He goes, yes, he's serious. I said, on a scale of one to 10 with one being fully alive and 10 being fully dead, where am I? (laughs) He said, you're between a nine and a nine and a half. And if we don't get you stabilized in 15 minutes, you'll be dead. Now, do you want to go in the ambulance? Yes. Yes. I think I'll do that. I think I have a coupon here. Uh, Let me me get. (laughs) And so I got in the ambulance. They paddled my heart. And uh, the next few days, I'm in the hospital waiting to get a defibrillator put in my heart. And I'm just like, why did John have me teach about heaven? And I asked the Lord for new insights on heaven. Why couldn't he have me teach on prosperity and, and money? But I had a lot of time during that three days to reflect on heaven and to reflect on life and to reflect on the meaning of life and the purpose of life and my place in life and my place in the body and my place in society. And I started thinking about that and you know what? It really revolutionized the way I think about heaven. And it really set the course of however many years I have left for me to understand that what I do here. Matters for what I do there, and when you have somebody tell you, I don't know if you've ever if you'll ever have anybody tell you you have 15 minutes to live. But I, I pray that if you do, you're ready, because it was quite a sobering situation for me. So, with that as a lead-in on today's text, I, I want to ask four questions about heaven, and I want to make one observation. So, so let's let's just jump in to that. Um, back to our text at. First Peter chapter 1 verse 3. What, what do we have in heaven? What, what is it? You know, are we just going to sit around on clouds and everything like that? First Peter chapter 1 verse starting in verse 3 says that he God caused us to be born again to a living hope. Verse 4. To an inheritance. Now some versions may say to obtain an inheritance. But if you look it up in the Greek it literally means to an inheritance. So what do we have in heaven? First we have an Inheritance. Praise God we have an inheritance in heaven. But what does it mean that we are born to an inheritance? You know, you've heard the old saying, well, he was just born to sing, or he was born to dance, or he was born to lead, or he was born to be an athlete, or if you're in your 60s, he was born to be wild by Steppenwolf. We understand that we are born to do something and scripture tells us in 1 Peter chapter 4 that those who are in Christ are born to an inheritance. There is something innately great about being in Christ because we are born to an inheritance. We possess an inheritance in heaven, not just physically here on this earth, not just abundant life in the here and now, which is our gift from God to us, abundant life in the here and now, but a treasure awaits us in heaven, and it is an inheritance. So the second question I ask is, well, great, what kind of inheritance is it? Going back to 1 Peter chapters 1, verse 3 and 4, he has caused us to be born again to an inheritance that is imperishable. It is imperishable. Our inheritance is imperishable. The the, the inheritance is not subject to any corruption or decay. There, There is no expiration date. There is no best if used by date on our inheritance. It is immortal. It is eternal. It is always there. It never changes. It is something that will never perish. Matthew chapter 6 verse 19. Jesus is speaking and he tells the people. Don't lay up for yourselves earthly treasures. And then in verse 20 he says. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust destroys. Or where thieves do not break in and steal. And with, with where we are in the world today. That ought to just really resonate with us. About where we should be putting our treasures. Where our inheritance is. That, that there are moths and rust don't, don't uh, destroy. And thieves don't break in and steal. You see man sets his affections on stuff. That will always disappoint. Because the stuff is temporary. It, it is of this earth. What we, what we understand is. That the things of earth will all pass away, but we have an eternal inheritance inheritance that will not decay. Several years ago, my wife and I went to a conference for about four years in a row up in Portland, Oregon. It was just a refresher conference for pastors. And um, when we would go, we would stay at a hotel, and then the the place between the hotel and the church, um, we would, on the path, we would pass by a, a junkyard. Every every time. And one day I just stopped. I pulled over and I just stopped. And I I looked at the junkyard. And I thought, how many of those vehicles promised something? If you'll just buy this. If you'll just get this truck. If you'll buy the Mercedes, they'll they'll really respect you. If you buy this, you will really be something in the eyes of man. If you do this, and you see what man does is man looks at things that please right now. But eventually it ends up in a junkyard or a garage sale. I mean, I work with a ministry called Hoops for Hope. And I knew Hoops for Hope had finally arrived when one day I went to a garage sale And there was one of our basketballs. Somebody was selling one of our basketballs that they had bought. And I was like, dude, we have arrived. We are now garage sale worthy. I mean, people aren't going to throw it away. They're going to sell it in a garage sale. Think that there's some value in that. You see, the thing is, is that everything of this earth Is going to decay. Everything is going to fall away. But what we do here on earth. With our lives. With our time. With our affections. With everything that we do. It affects our reward in heaven. Only that which is done. In Jesus name. For Jesus sake. Will remain. Only that. The second thing. About our inheritance. First. It's imperishable. The second thing it says is. Our inheritance is undefiled. It's undefiled. That literally the Greek word literally means it's free from deformity. Our inheritance cannot be touched by the stain of earthly pains or sins. It is it is undefiled. I am so thankful that there is an inheritance that that Satan cannot get in and touch or stain the inheritance that I will receive. When 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 my parents uh, passed away, my mom passed away two years ago tomorrow. She passed away. When they did, they left us an inheritance, and there was some there were some financial things, and then there were some thing things. And one of the thing things that we got was we got a a a teapot, and it was nice and shiny. Now, that's kind of hoity doity type stuff, and I'm not a hoity doity type person. And so we took that silver tea set, the teapot, all shiny and everything, and we just put it away and, and in preparation for the sermon I thought oh I can talk about you know something that is an inheritance and so I went and, and Laurie found it we couldn't remember where we put it but she sought for it found it pulls it out I don't know if you can tell by that picture that sucker is tarnished and you know if, if you've ever had to polish silver it takes work but you polish it and what happens to it again it tarnishes again everything of this world is tarnished everything of this world is decaying there is everything in this world will undergo decay anything that we treasure on earth will be defiled only that which we store up in heaven only that which is the inheritance in heaven will be undefiled the third thing that this passage tells us is that our inheritance is unfading in the light of eternity the light of eternity will never fade our inheritance it is the word there literally means perennially brilliant our inheritance is perennially brilliant the brilliance of our inheritance never wanes it goes on and on forever and ever and ever it is unfading we have an unfading Treasure. Finally, in verse uh, the fourth, the fourth thing it says in verse five, our inheritance is kept in heaven. That word "kept" literally means it is carefully guarded; it is eternally attended to. Every time there is something that you lay up treasure in heaven, when you share your faith, when you do things that will lay up the treasure in heaven, when you do that, that is something that is attributed to you. And some angel, I don't know exactly how it works, but some angel is keeping that. He is eternally watching over that. Nobody, it will be eternally attended to. And nobody is going to invade heaven and steal the inheritance of the believers. Vladimir Putin is not going to be able to do that. No one is going to be able to invade heaven and take away the inheritance of the believers. It cannot be taken away because it is kept, carefully guarded, eternally attended to in heaven. So what do we have in heaven? We have an inheritance. What kind of inheritance do we have? We have something that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, and kept in heaven. So the big question is, who is the inheritance for? Third question, who's the inheritance for? If you listen to Hollywood, if you go home and turn on a Lifetime movie, or a Hallmark movie, or a HBO movie, or a Star movie, or whatever, and it talks and it addresses someone who dies, I guarantee you, because they were good people, they went to heaven according to Hollywood. They're looking down from on high, they're looking down from heaven. Because we just say they are. And I will tell you. That there are some theologians. Now. In today's society. That say it's all good. Love wins. We all get to go to heaven. That is a great theory. The only one problem is. It's not true. You see. Scripture tells us. We don't get to decide who goes to heaven. We It's not good people. It's dead people who are dead in Christ, they get to inherit heaven. Look at what it says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. We are born to an inheritance kept in heaven for you, verse 5. Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be relieved, revealed in the last times. Our inheritance is kept and guarded by God's power for those who have exercised their faith in Jesus and him alone. Remember what John said? In Jesus alone, only Jesus and Jesus only. It, it, this inheritance is not for everybody. It is for those who have put their faith in Christ. Those who put their faith in stuff, in possessions, in power, those people have their reward. It'll end up in a garage sale or a junkyard or the, the, the trash bin or the rubbish bin or the landfill. But those of us who have an inheritance that is kept in heaven for us, it is for those who have put their faith in Christ. Heaven is an exclusive place, open to all who come to faith in Christ, but closed to those who reject the invitation to come to faith. Dying while rejecting the invitation to come to faith in Christ seals your eternal destiny. Hell. Ouch, that hurts. Those are harsh words. I would rather you hear them now than find out after the fact. I didn't write it. This is what God says. If you've got an issue with that, take it up with him. But the reality is, the reality is, we don't get any my bad second chances. This is it. Dying while rejecting the invitation to come to faith in Christ seals your eternal destiny in hell. That hurts, but it's true so the questions we've looked at what do we have we have an inheritance what kind of inheritance do we have an imperishable undefiled unfading and one that is kept in heaven who is the inheritance for it is for those who believe and have put their faith in jesus christ remember it's not enough just to believe even the devil believes but you have to believe and put your faith in christ fourth question what effect should that have on the understanding of this inheritance that we have on our lives 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6, continuing on. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus. What effect should understanding our inheritance have? First of all, it produces in us a rejoicing in the face of trials. One of the things that... People ask when I was going through my heart episode, how, how did you remain so peaceful? How did you remain not afraid? How did you walk through that? The, the deal is, I know where I'm going. It's settled. I don't have to worry. I don't have to wonder. I don't wonder have I done more good than bad? I wonder if God will let me in. I know I have the assurance. And so in the face of trials, I can rejoice. In the face of trials, we who are in Christ can rejoice. Do you rejoice in the face of trials? This world, The scripture tells us in this world, you will have trials. Those who are in Christ, who have an inheritance in heaven, it produces us in us a rejoicing in heaven. You see, the trials that we go through pale in comparison to the inheritance that we will receive. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 tells us that Jesus endured the cross and its shame for what for the joy that was set before him what was that joy the joy was that he knew once he went through the cross was dead died buried and resurrected that there would be an inheritance for him we would be his inheritance for those who put their faith and trust in him and obey him and following him those people who have have put them and put their faith in him because of jesus's obedience to the point of death even death on the cross because of that he endured the cross You see, he knew the inheritance that was coming, so in the in the face of trials, he was able to rejoice. We we have a greater future in heaven. We understand that the proofing of our faith reveals the genuineness of our faith. Brothers and sisters, that's a whole different sermon right there. When you are in trial, how do you handle it? Do you rejoice? do you do it doesn't mean oh hey i'm so glad i'm in this trial that's not what that means but do you rejoice that this world is not the end do you rejoice that there is a day coming i've got uh many acquaintances in ukraine we've had six different teams for hoops for hope go to ukraine and been corresponding with them they're in a crisis situation and it's really been interesting to see their response they said yes there's fear but we're not afraid yes there's fear but we know the one who's in charge yes it's scary yes there's bombs dropping outside yes we're awoken to 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 the the sound of bombs dropping but we are not afraid because we know that there is one who is in charge i don't know if you've seen the the the, the scenes of the christian singing in the um, underground. In the, in the uh, subway system there. Christians just standing. A, a whole bunch of them. Probably 50, 60 of them. Just singing praise to the Lord. How can they do that in the face of trials? Because they know their inheritance doesn't end here. Their inheritance is in heaven. We understand that the proofing reveals the genuineness of our faith. And I would simply say this. When you go through trials. If it doesn't produce rejoicing in you. You better take a hard look at yourself. Why do I rejoice? 2 Timothy 1.12 Old Baptist will remember this song. For I know whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep that. Which I have committed unto him against that day. Here's the deal. I know that what I have committed unto the Lord. He's going to keep it. Nobody's going to take it from him. I'm going to go to him one day. Whenever that is. Whether it's today or years from now. It doesn't make any difference. I know. I know, I know that he is able to keep what I've committed unto him against that day. The second thing that we see that it produces in us, the understanding of, uh, the, the understanding of this is that Jesus coming. It will result in the praise of God's grace, the glory of Jesus' name, and the honor that we get to give to Jesus for giving his life. Our inheritance results to the praise of God's grace. You know, not one of us deserves to be in God's presence. There is nothing that we could do to make it, make us worthy to get into his presence. It is only what he has done in us. And that results in the praise and glory of his grace. Some of us are really kind of proud of ourselves. But when we really begin to look at it and we see the darkness of our hearts and the depth of the sin of our lives, we understand the depth the greater depth of his grace and his mercy. When you understand the greater depths of his grace and mercy, it results in praise. Oh, Jesus, thank you so much. Jesus, thank you so much. And it, and it produces glory. People look at you and go, how are you walking through this? And you're able to say, well, I'm a pretty tough guy. I'm a pretty tough late. No. You're able to say, but by the grace of God, I would fail. It gives you an opportunity in facing trials to give glory to Jesus. And finally it brings honor to Jesus for giving his life. What ought you to be? If you Second Peter chapter three, verse 11, it says, "Since all these things are to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? Let me tell you that in light of heaven, we live holy and godly lives here." If you want to know what that kind of looks like, you could look at Colossians chapter three, verses one through seventeen. Pretty, pretty good uh, list there for you to begin to evaluate your own self. So I've asked and answered four different questions. Now I want to make one observation about heaven, then I'll conclude. First, Second uh, Corinthians chapter five, verse eight says this: "We are confident and willing, rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord." We are we are willing to be absent from the body to be present with the Lord. Our reward is being present with the Lord. All the treasures that we lay up, all the crowns, everything that we get for the work that we do here, we are going to get to be in front of Jesus and we're going to get to lay them at Jesus' feet. Because he is the only worthy one. Psalm 16 verse 11 says, You make known to me the path of life. And in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. That word fullness, the fullness of joy, means the state of having your desires and appetites filled to the full. It is something that is perpetual, continual, having those desires and appetites filled to the full. And those desires and appetites should simply be, Jesus, I want more of you. I want more of you. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 says, We see in a mirror dimly, but then we shall know face to face. Now we know in part. Then we shall know fully, even as we are fully known. Heaven is a place of full joy because we are in the presence of God. And in his presence, there is fullness of joy. I told you earlier that I'm one of the chaplains for the Baylor men's basketball team. uh, Had the privilege of being in Indianapolis last year as the team won the national championship and as the clock ticked down and the euphoria uh, watching the confetti the green and gold confetti and all the adulation and just i mean it was an incredible moment for his, I've been with coach Drew since for 19 years since he began and just to know the struggle and then to see the reward of that and just to see the guys reveling and you know standing on the podium and waving and everything like that and it was it was an incredible incredible fullness of joy went into the banquet room afterwards and there was just incredibly full joy i got to talk to jared butler a little bit later he was one of the stars of the team i got to talk to him and i said hey man reflect with me what was it like i mean what was it like winning the national championship and all the confetti and all that stuff he said you know I was standing there, and the confetti was falling, and everybody was hollering, and I went, huh, I thought I'd feel different, he said, I reflected on that when I went into the hotel room later, and after all the, everything had died down, and we went to the hotel room, he said, I sat down alone, and I thought, is that it? everything that everybody has said is pointing to your point in life is that you build and you do and you sacrifice, you do everything and you get to this point in your life and you're crowned the champion. And guess what? It's full for a season and then it dissipates. In Christ's presence, there's perpetual fullness of joy that will never end. You will never wane. It will never lose its luster. It will never lose anything. It will be on and on and on and on and on and on and on. Heaven, heavenly joy is our inheritance because we get Jesus. Jesus got us. (laughs) We get Jesus. Our inheritance is the fullness of joy and perpetuity. There's no more troubling sin, no more bad reports, no more struggles, no more wars. Jesus is our, is our inheritance. So I close with this. If you don't know Jesus Christ, I beg you. You don't know how long you have, and that's not a scare tactic. None of us is promised tomorrow. The reality is this. Jesus is our inheritance. There is something greater than this world. And it only comes to those who give their life to Christ. If you don't know Jesus, you can accept him today. If you do know Jesus, live a life that brings glory and honor to him. Because heaven is our inheritance. Let's stand together. Father God, thank you so much. Thank you for the promise of heaven. Thank you for the inheritance that we have. Thank you that it is kept. Thank you that it is undefiled, unfading. It will never pass away. Thank you, God, that in your presence is the fullness of joy thank you Lord Jesus that you have made a way Lord we were headed for destruction we were headed for hell we were headed for temporal pleasures but you in your great mercy you came and you rescued us and you offered an invitation Lord if there is anyone here today who has heard the invitation but never heeded the invitation they can be church members they can be good people Lord I pray that today the ones who have not put their faith and trust in you today would be the day that they would do that And Lord, for those of us who have put our faith in Christ, may we live our lives forever in light of the inheritance that we get in eternity in heaven. In Jesus' name I pray.